glad you guys are here with us tonight. Um, I know tonight's, okay, awesome. Yeah, let's give God some praise. Yeah, it's already been a... It's already been a great night so far. Honestly, we could put a cap on it already and call it a good night, but um, I believe God's given me a message um, that uh, I believe is relevant to us today. I'm actually like live shortening it for you guys because I just felt like that was a time at the end of worship that we needed to have. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to sacrifice God's will tonight just so Sean can preach his whole message, right? Like, I'm, I hope you guys are... Uh, I hope you guys are ready to receive it, because it's going to be the uh, shorter version tonight. But um, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you guys to turn to Acts chapter 27. Um, we're going to be looking at a particular, really short story, honestly, in Acts about Paul. And um, so I watched a Bible project video. I'm not going to show it tonight. Uh, you guys can look it up. It's called Acts. I mean, it's Bible project video on Acts. But it made a really cool point, as you guys are turning to Acts, um, it made a really cool point that... Um, so Acts is written by, the, uh, by Luke, who's a, an apostle, and he wrote, well, Luke in the New Testament, and Luke actually wrote it, wrote Acts as Luke part two. And I thought that was really interesting, and you actually see that in Acts chapter one, verse one, and you don't need to flip to it, but uh, I just realized that monitor is not on. That's okay, I can turn around. It says, in the first book, I, and this is Luke talking, he's the author. In the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So right here, Luke is, is addressing Luke part one, which again is just um, Luke. But the Bible Project video was saying like, hey, it should be, oh, thank you, Jonathan. Give Jonathan a round of applause, guys. He's turning on my, he's turning on my confidence monitor. If you guys don't know, there's a TV on this pole, and it's called a confidence screen because it gives me confidence, and it gives the band confidence. I don't know why, but I guess it's just so I know where the screen is at. Like I don't, it's, like, it's like I don't trust Jonathan or something. It's like, you know, I need to be able to know. I feel like it's a lot darker out there. Is it like, are you guys able to even see your Bibles? Yeah? yeah? Okay, maybe it's just me. All right. But um, it's, in, it's interesting because, you know, the traditional name for the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And, um, wow, thank you. Jonathan is on it tonight. Give Jonathan a round of applause, you guys. Come on. Come on. That's awesome. He should be running the show back here. Um, so I'm not done nerding, nerding on about Acts, okay? I'm almost done. But Acts, the traditional name for Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. But the video was saying that it really should be called the Acts of Jesus and His Spirit. Because as, uh, as you are going to see it, that it's less about what the apostles did, and it's more about what Jesus did through the apostles. And that's what we've been talking about a lot in this series. And it's about what the Holy Spirit can do through you. It's not what you can do with the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit can do for you. So Paul is a big character in the book of Acts. And one of the main points here tonight is that the same spirit that was inside Paul in Acts is in you today. You know, we've talked about this a lot. The same spirit, the same God, the same Jesus that was inside of Paul when the book of Acts, who the book of Acts is primarily about, is the same spirit and the same enabling, the same power that's inside of you in this very moment on July, what is it, like 27th? Yeah, July 27th. 
in 2022, the same spirit that was in with Paul in like 30 AD is with you today in 2022. It's the same God, same power, same degree of power, and all that. So anything we read in Acts is a prophetic testimony to what God's power can do inside of a person. It's not just what God's power can do inside of Paul. It's what God's power can do inside of a person who is willing to give up everything to say yes to Jesus. And that is really encouraging news. So what, Paul, what God did inside of Paul, he can do inside of you in the same power. And we, look, we get that from the book of Acts, actually, in Acts chapter 8. You don't need to turn to it just yet. The real, we're going to 27 in just a bit, but in Acts chapter 8, it says, let's put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it from there. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Yet we don't operate from our flesh. We operate from a spirit. You guys might have heard that we are not bodies with a spirit, but we are spirits with a body. I've heard it said that you have never met a finite human in your entire life. You know, you go to Walmart and uh, you, you know, most people use this. Who uses the self-checkout exclusively? I will like Per, wait in a longer self-checkout line than go through a shorter in-person checkout line. I don't know if anybody else is like that with me, but I have been in situations like that. I was actually buying something for the church today, and when you buy something for the church, you have to go through the in-person line, and I was like, oh, come on. It's like, it's not, it's almost not worth it, but it, of course it is. But like every person you've ever met is, is infinite, has an infinite spirit in them, and that they actually are an infinite spirit. So it's kind of crazy to think about. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells inside of you, anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. But if a Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And here's, here's the main thing that we use all the time. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that lives inside of you. So, it, it, what it's saying is it's crazy that we are spirits with a body. We have infinite spirits inside of us that have an infinite destination when we die. And you have never met a non-infinite being or non-infinite human. So all that to kind of set up what we're going with here is that Paul is unique because he trusts Jesus's words above everything else. And you see someone like Paul, you see like a past revivalist in church history, you see a Bible character, even somebody that you know, that seems to be doing big and mighty works through God and sees miracles happen. And behind those miracles, behind the big, exciting things that are going on is a man or a woman who is willing to say yes to God above everything else. Behind all of those things, if you were to peel back the layers, you will see sleepless nights of obedience. You will see prayer. You'll see carpet worn out on the floor because that's where they were kneeling in prayer day in and day out. That's actually a true story of a revivalist. I can't think of the name right now. But there is a, there is a revivalist that you, I believe you can even go see it, but there is a piece next to his bed that is worn out of carpet. Like there is no carpet there anymore because that's the spot Every night and every day, he went and kneeled right there and prayed. Behind every big miracle, behind every revival, you will find men and women who are willing to say yes to God above every other noise. And we see that in Paul in Acts chapter 27. So to set this up, we have um, Paul, who is 
over and over again, saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to his spirit, saying yes to the obedience that God has had for him. You know, Paul, his old name was Saul, and Saul was a Pharisee, and Pharisees were strict uh, religious uh, scholars, strict religious teachers. They were Jews, and they followed the law to, uh, they, they enforced the law to a T, and so when Jesus came on the earth, they were actually the ones that, like, brought about his death because they saw Jesus as a threat to the law because Jesus came to fulfill the law. And um, a lot of people believe that they, the reason they didn't like Jesus so much was because he was threatening their way of life. And so uh, Pharisees didn't like Jesus very much. Saul was a Pharisee. He persecuted Christians. He took them. He, um, he beat them. He threw them in prisons. He approved of their murders. And he just went town after town persecuting Christians. But on the way to Damascus, he has a conversion. And, a, and God meets him in a miraculous way. And, and God says, you know, it's, it's Jesus says that, you know, I am who you are persecuting. Now I want you to be a disciple for me. So Jesus changes his name from Saul to Paul, and he began preaching the gospel, preaching what he called was the way and the only way of Jesus. And, of course, the Pharisees came about and saw him again as a threat to their life, just like they saw with Jesus. And so they began to stir up mobs. They began to, um, you know, torture him the same way they did with Jesus, and they began to um, stone him and beat him and throw him in prison to the point where Paul couldn't, hardly couldn't go anywhere because they were there waiting to ambush him and to attack him. And over and over again, Paul kept appearing in higher and higher Roman courts to, uh, to uh, appease his case. But every time he would go to a Roman court and you know, defend his case, he would just end up speaking the name of Jesus and just preaching the gospel and telling how Jesus came and died for their sins. And, you know, the Bible actually says that one of the higher legal systems, because he kept just going higher and higher in the legal system, um, preaching the gospel, said if Paul would have stopped, you know, appealing to Caesar and appealing to the higher courts, he could have been set free a long time ago. But Paul saw this as his mission field. He said, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long I'm in prison. I don't care how long I'm being beat. I'm going to obey God with reckless and radical obedience that my life's not even going to look the same anymore because of how much I'm obeying God. And so we find Paul in Acts 27. He is being put on a prison ship to, vo- to a voyage to another higher court of Roman legislator. And, they, um, and Paul gets a vision about what's going to happen to their boat. So we're going to actually read it now. So in Acts 27, verse 9, it says, Now, When much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but your lives. So Paul is like, okay, this is not going to be good. You know, I've been warned that this will happen, that you, if we go on this voyage, there will be disaster, much loss of not just the cargo, but your lives. So he tells this to the guy in charge, and this, this is really important. In verse 11, it says, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman by the, and the owner of the ship. He was more persuaded by the captain and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. By the things spoken 
by Paul. He was more persuaded by the captain and the owner of the ship. We're going to look at the story and pick it up in 27, verse 21. It says this. It says, or we're going to look at verse 20. It says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest began to beat on us, all hope that we would have been saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from this and incurred much disaster and loss. Now take heart. Take, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of the life among you, but only of the ship. So Paul had a great I told you so moment. He's like, hey, listen. I told you so. If we hadn't done this, I told you there would be disaster and much loss, and you went anyways, and now there was disaster and much loss. I told you so. How many of you guys love a good I told you so moment? Okay, I've got a couple I told you so moments that I found online. It says, the bed frame wasn't properly lashed down when we were moving it on my truck. My partner insisted on that the weight of the frame would keep it in place. It flew into the middle of a dangerous intersection on a left turn. We dodged four lanes of oncoming traffic to collect the pieces. I told you so. That is a bad day. That is a bad day. I told an acquaintance to throw out four-year-old fireworks. He didn't. Then it blew off part of his fingers. I told you so. Like, don't do that. When I was 12, I saw mice in our house. How many of you guys just love having mice in our house? I saw mice in her house. When I told my family about it, no one else had seen them and thought I made it up. When I kept seeing it, it escalated to the point that I was sent to a therapist because they thought I was hallucinating. About a week later, I hear a scream upstairs, and I see my mom on the table because she opened up the pantry, and two mice jumped on her face. <laughs> I told you so. I told you so. It's really frustrating when people don't listen to us, right? It's got to be really frustrating for Paul because he as he heard from God. He heard from God, and he's like, I told you so. This is not what, it gonna, this is not what should have happened. But I think a lot of times, we like to think that we're Paul in this situation, where we're like, we're hearing all the words from God. We're telling people all the right advice. I told you so. You should have listened to me. But I think the purpose of this story is to show that we are the uh, Roman centurion in this situation. A lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, where we are given the choice between the word of God, either given to us through God or through someone else or through the Bible, or we are told to listen to the voice of the captain and the owner of the ship. A good way to put this, we have godly wisdom, the word of God, or we could choose the captain of the ship of worldly wisdom. When we're put in these situations, it becomes difficult to parse that out. It becomes difficult to parse out what to do. In James chapter 3, verse 13, let's put it up on the screen here. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him, sh let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I'm going to skip down to the red part down. It says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, then gentle, then open to reason. Again, we talk about how the Bible if it happens in the Bible and it says, hey, you can have the wisdom from above, then it must be possible. It must be possible. There must, it must be possible that we can choose godly wisdom above worldly wisdom. We can choose the word of God in our life to obey, to do this thing, to step out, to have reckless obedience. Or we can choose the worldly wisdom, which, again, I don't want to dog on worldly wisdom because sometimes it's good. 
Sometimes worldly wisdom is good advice. The only thing is sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not good advice. That, you know, we have all these sources. You know, um, I don't have them on, on, on me right now, but there are, I believe, 63,000 hours of fresh content on YouTube every hour. 63,000 hours of video is being uploaded to YouTube every hour. Since you've been here at Elevate, about twice that has been uploaded to YouTube of fresh content. Over 120,000 hours. There are over 1 billion views on TikTok videos every day. 1 billion views on TikTok videos every day. And every second, there are 63,000 search search searches on Google. We don't lack access to information. Would you guys agree with that? We don't lack access to information. If, not, if wisdom and knowledge was all it took, it, or if access to information was all it took to be wise and to have wisdom, you think we would be the most wise generation of all time, right? If it was just access to knowledge, we would be the most wise, but I think that's not the case. It's more than that. Wisdom is being able to have the information and then know what to do with it or to spit it out. That's wisdom. That's what it takes. So what I want to do is I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And I want to say this. When it comes down to it, Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. I've heard this isn't, I haven't this isn't, I didn't make this up, but I've heard this before. Jesus is Lord of all or not at all. Jesus is either Lord of everything in your life, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your friends, your emotions, your addictions, or he's not at all. If you want to say that Jesus is Lord, but you don't give him lordship over your life and over your decisions... I just, I really want to challenge you to rethink that statement, rethink saying that statement. If you want to say Jesus is Lord of my life, but you don't make him Lord, you might need to rethink things. Lordship literally just means someone or something having power, authority, influence, a master, or a ruler. So how do you make Jesus Lord in our life? How do we do it? To put it simply, I've got this. A person that makes Jesus Lord puts their priorities over pressure. Someone whose who's Lord is Jesus, they puts the priority of Jesus over the pressure of others or of influence, of pride, of whatever. Again, I don't want to dog on pressure. Like, there is positive peer pressure. There is positive influence. Social media is not the devil. I use social media all the time. I'm just saying, if we're going to be looking at a billion TikTok videos as a generation on earth every single day, then we might need to learn how to filter some stuff out, right? And to do that, we have to put the priority of making Jesus Lord over the pressure of influence. So I want to invite you to stand up with me tonight as we close here. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit into this moment and to acknowledge that this is where you're at. I don't, hear my heart, I don't want to put shame on anybody here. I don't want to put condemnation on any single person here. But I do want to challenge you that if you are saying Jesus is Lord, either, you know, in, in real life, at church, on your social media, 
but you're not giving him lordship, then you might wanna rethink that. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. I'm not saying we have to do any of that, but we do have to acknowledge that, hey, if Jesus is Lord, then I need to act like that. I need to give him lordship. I need to give him permission to make decisions in my life. I need to give him permission to at least have an influence in my decisions and we can go from there. If Jesus has to be Lord and we to do that, we have to put the priority of obeying Jesus above everything else. It takes that reckless obedience we've been talking about. So Father God, we just praise you and thank you for everyone here. Jesus, we make you Lord in this house tonight. God, we just invite you in to influence us, to make you the priority over us and not something else. God, we just praise you and thank you for everything.
Well, thank you guys so much for coming tonight. I know it's a little bit different, but I just absolutely love praying and worshiping with you guys. You guys are the now church. You guys have God's power inside of you. So Holy Spirit, we just invite your power in inside of us this week and into the next week, God. And we just pray that you are Lord in our life and we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Let's give God one more shout of praise in this place. Awesome. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Our tribes are next Thursday, not tomorrow, next Thursday. We'll see you guys next week. You guys are dismissed.